right, welcome to the next update. Tonight's guest is Sonia Barrett. Sonia is known for her cutting edge insights, most of which is supported by quantum physics. Theoretical physicist Dr. Amit Goswami refers to her as a true mystic. Her work bridges the gap between science and spirituality in a simplified format. She addresses the programming, beliefs, and concepts by which we have liked our lives both individually and collectively. Sonia is the author of The Holographic Canvas, The Fusing of Mind and Matter, A Journey of Possibilities, and Seven Day Program, Simple Ways to Step Outside Your Comfort Zone. She is also the publisher of the book Health, an Inside Job, and Outside Business. Sonia is the executive producer and of the award-winning documentary The Business of Disease. She is also the host and producer of the radio show The Expansion Zone with Sonia Barrett on KPFK 90.7 FM. Sonia has been a popular radio guest appearing on shows as, such as Coast to Coast AM with George Norrie, Red Ice Radio, Conscious Media Network, Gaia TV, and a whole host of others. Sonia, welcome to Knox Montana. All right, cool. Carry on. Anyway, Sorry. Yes. So I, I just want to say I'm having like my fan moment because I just adore your work. I think it's really important on the, um, I think the work you're doing is important. It's really uh given me a new shade to uh, move within i'm vibing with it i feel it it seems it feels right to me and so um i don't have a lot of geeky fangirl moments but i'm having it now sonia (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh what an honor what an honor for sure yeah so um yeah let's just jump in uh in in the beginning of what you can remember as little Sonia in your world, what were the things that stick out for you now? The things that seemed important then, um, and and so what we're kind of looking for is, you know, did you have a relationship with nature? What kind of cartoons did you like? Um, you know, anything that really kind of is still vivid. Um. Yes, I I, I loved nature. Um. I was a big fan of thunder and lightning um, mm. while other children were mm-hmm. scared <laughs> of it. I loved thunder and lightning. That was one of my favorite pastimes. I mean, particularly in Jamaica, because, you know, my the first 13 years of my life, I lived in Jamaica. I, I was born there. And, um, and so um, I would sit on the veranda uh, and it would be raining and watching the lightning. And many times I would actually be under a tree. Oh, um, yes. <laughs> and I am here to tell about it. <laughs> I played with bugs. I love playing with ants, um, spiders, um, caterpillars, bees. Uh, I used to catch the bees in my hand uh, on a Saturday morning, particularly on Saturday mornings. And I would put it, um, put them in a jar with a little opening in the top and just watch them. Um, what else did I love? Uh, lizards. <laughs> I was a very interesting child. Yes, you were. Uh, and I climbed, I love climbing trees, which I think most island kids do. But um, I, because I was by myself, I played by myself and uh, the bushes were, um, the children when I would keep school, they were my buddies. Um, and I, I was a total outside child. I could watch ants for hours and my imagination would run wild. 
you know, wondering if like they, if it was like a whole family, do they go to bed? Um, do, I mean, you know, my mind would like just go crazy like that. And I'd squat down and do that. Um, you know, besides making mud pies and all of that, but I, I spent hours outside all the time. Were uh, you an only child? Um, yeah, I grew up as an only child. Um, I will say it that way. I grew up as an only child. And so, uh, yes, I spent many hours just with myself, hanging with myself. And so all of these things became my buddies. They became my friends, mm -hmm. um, is basically what happened. And yeah, talking to everything, birds, everything. I was chatting with them. <laughs> I love that. I had, I had the relate, I had, I was, I was by myself a lot too. And nature was very important and bees in particular. I loved them. I still love the bees. Yeah, I, I do too, except for they love me <laughs> in a very interesting way. Now they like to sting me. Oh, Love wow. It. Yeah, I don't have a, a bee phobia. When we're figuring that maybe is because there's a period there where I started to take in a lot of honey. And yes. we don't know if that's what it was. But um, I, my my husband thought that I was just exaggerating, um, you know, because I hike a lot. So I kept telling him, I said, when I go hiking, they're, they're literally they're chasing me. They're like coming after me. And so um he went, you know, finally went hiking with me one day and witnessed it. And he's like, you're so telling the truth right now. Yeah. Then And so they've stung me on my head. They've stung me on my arm, on my foot. And the only thing I figure is that I'm like, you know what? Okay, I'm going to look at it this way. Apparently, they know that I need this. That I Yes. Need. And that's kind of how I, I translated that. I'm like, okay. And I can feel it. I could feel it just running through my arm. Um, you know, for, for days I could I was able I could feel that out on my head. So that's kind of my relationship now with uh with the bees. There's um yeah, there's a whole whole institute of um therapy with bee stinging. I'm sure you're aware of that. Yes. Have yeah. you ever considered um, that they're protecting you? That's what I mean. I, I, I think that there's some, some way that it's a positive. I, I, that's the only way that I can mm. figure it because I was so, we were so close. Yeah. <laughs> I, it, reminds, so it reminded me of a movie I saw. Um, it was Ju Jupiter Ascending was the film where mm. the bees surrounded this, the main character and protected her. They were genetically attracted to her as royalty or something. Okay, that that's it right there, the royal part. <laughs> yeah, that's it right there. But yeah, no, I for for how much I played with these bees and loved them, and they didn't stay. They stung me one time when I was a child, and the only reason why that happened is because my my mom, being a mom, she just does, didn't get that. They let they allowed me to just do all my weird stuff, but she would say to me, she goes, you know, they're gonna sting you, you know, and I'm like maybe eh, four five years old or maybe you know younger but i remember around that that stage and she would always say that and then one morning as i was doing my usual catch the bee in the palm of my hand don't mm -hmm. hurt them and play with them one stung me on my arm um but i think the bee got nervous too because i may have brushed them or something i may have done something that that you know jarred the bee as well yes yeah um but i but it never it never bothered i was crying uh for a minute but it never deterred me from 
from playing with them. So I never, I never developed a fear behind it. Uh, and in, when you're in the island, particularly, I know in Jamaica, when you get stung, what you do is you just pull some the bushes, the green bushes off whatever fence there is, and you rub the area, you squeeze it, and then you rub it on the area. And that's basically um, what, I, like, what, we did, what I did. It's like a poultice. Yes, yes. And it, and it was fine. And, and then I was right back to doing it, you know, within yes. minutes. <laughs> I was right back on the job. <laughs> I have noticed the bees have changed. I get, I've always had them come around me. So it, but they do seem more aggressive in the last year. Yeah. And it's, it's something, because I go to the forest every weekend and I'm starting to notice they have mm-hmm. a different vibration. It's different. It, 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 I agree with you. There's definitely something um, different in the energy from what I remember um, as a child. There's definitely something different. They've uh, mm-hmm. elevated their vibration to match 5G. <laughs> there you go. Yep. There, yeah, there, there right there. Maybe we should all just keep a swarm in the house. <laughs> right? You know, well, a couple around the house. A couple around the house. <laughs> they act like, uh, what, like salt lamps, you know. Bees. <laughs> that is funny. I like that, that they act like salt lamps. That would be so, so great. You go into my, into my bedroom, and it's like I found a way to make all the walls. You know, they're there, that, but all the walls are just <laughs> bees. The yes. curtain of bees, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, there. Where was a movie like that too? I can't remember oh. what it what it was. Um, I think it was a remake of The Wicker Man. They used bees. Oh, okay. So, Sonia, do you, were you a child that um, dreamed a lot? I'm, I'm, I'm sure I did. Um, I don't remember now specifically what what. Yeah, I don't have any specific dream other than the fact that um, I tend to have dreams now. This could be going back to that time. Um, I have dreams, and I'm pretty sure it was then too, where I would go to certain houses, certain towns, certain places. I would go there all the time. Um, there could be a certain store or shop, um, but there are places that I, in dreams, I would visit all the time. And every now and then, I will still go there now. Every now and then, I will go to these certain places. So that that was always kind of weird. And I see myself as a little girl um, going past. There's this one particular house that, I mean, it's only in the dream, but it would always seem so real, like this place exists somewhere in this dream state, in this wake dream state. Mm-hmm. And um, and I can still see it. I, I would go by that house all the time. I just walk by it. I think I've been inside. Um, so there's familiar places where I seem to visit um on and off yeah i want to and i'm going to return to that later the architecture um is i'm i find it very important and significant when people have um when there's familiar architecture even though it can change you know the feeling it's the same place but it can shift um so we'll get back to that that's very interesting that's way back there that's Fantastic. Did you like, um, when you were little, did you like anything kind of in pop culture? And so I, I'm not from Jamaica, so I don't know what you had access to. Um, so like cartoons, um, um, what did I like? Geez, what comes to mind right off the bat was Deputy Dog. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Deputy Dog. 
Popeye for sure. Yes. But, it, but again, it's what it, you know, it's, it's what we had. We had one channel mm-hmm. <laughs> and it signed on at like five in the evening. I um, think that might be for the best of what should be happening now. Yeah, it signed on at five. And even though it signed on at five, I was only allowed to watch it for, I think, maybe an hour and a half or so. The particular shows that would come on it, I was allowed to watch after a while. And of course, one was the very top and important Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. Every family had to watch Batman in Jamaica. Yes. I mean, you know, people would stop what they're doing to find a home to go to if you don't have a TV to watch Batman with very bad acting. Um, oh my God, Batman was, still holds up for me oh, though, the original. Oh, I, I love it. The original, it was like- with so Eartha Kitt is, oh, oh my yeah. God, as, as Catwoman. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, I met her once when I was in college. Um, I met her once, she was, a, she was such an incredibly interesting lady. She's the queen. She's she, like, she is. She has no filter on her mouth, what she says. It was crazy, but. I actually yeah. appreciate that. Yeah, but she had no filter. You don't want to ask her a question if you don't want the answer. Let's just put it that way. And a couple of people got their feelings hurt that day. <laughs> we need more Earthas today. I'll tell you, darling. <laughs> yeah, well, she was. But um, yeah, so I mean, I would say those were. Some of the things that um, that I remember in, in terms of we were talking about like cartoons. Uh, and of course, you know, when I left there and I came here, um, um, God, there's so many things. Oh, you know what? In, in Jamaica, Disney, Disney was was huge, you know. Um, Interesting. Oh God, Walt Disney. You know how they'd have movies, but but they would come up with the Walt Disney thing when you wish upon a star and you see Jiminy Cricket. Um, you know, or wherever that was moving and singing before the movie started. Yes. Um, and, and I always found that song fascinating. And I think it has, I think it holds so much more than people think. Oh, and yeah. We're, obviously, we're not going there, but, um, you know, Walt Disney, Mr. Walt Disney, of course, belonged to, um, you know, some secret, was he a secret society? He was a Freemason. Free, he was a Freemason, 33rd right? Girl, degree. we can go there. We can yeah. go. Yeah, I was just going to say, Witch Upon <laughs> a Star is one of the, the most heavily mind-controlled program oh, songs. Is. Yeah, it, it is. It, it is. And I was, I mean, even as a child, I was fascinated by it. But I think, too, what I saw, because even, even then I was kind of interesting, but even then when I, you hear that song, When You Wish Upon a Star, makes no difference. What is it? Who, who you who are, you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything your heart desires will come to you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there's like a, it's a coin. So there is a flip side to everything. So on one side, yeah, you might have mind control, but on the other side, it is, it is magic. I mean, and it's the truth yes. it's like with all of us. Um, it just def- depends on what you def- define that, that, that star to be. It could mean a whole lot of different things. Um, that star could be the that part of you that uh, could be considered like the genie in a bottle. Um, when you wish upon that a star, is it the genie? Is it the you? Is it that expansive mm-hmm. self? Mm-hmm. Um, anything your heart desires will come to you. What it is the truth that human beings create? I mean, bring forth um, just you know a magician waving waving uh, his or her wand, not realizing all that they are bringing into their reality 
So I think there's there's a lot of underlying things there, and it's just a matter of um, working things in a way where when you know the masses are ignorant to so much, and the masses particularly at that time, and in the islands and in many places, religion dominated. It just dominates, um, which which of course causes people to not be in touch with who they are, but more so based on some sort of, you know, organized uh, belief system. So, you know, religion, secret society, you know, in in one way, yes, there's all the same cultish um, thing and, and, and manipulation, for lack of a better word. It's this big mishmash of control that goes on when it comes to ignorance, people's ignorance. Mm-hmm. Uh, on Wait, this, I, want, I got a question for you. Did yes, you ever read this back? I've tried to get in about the Disney stuff. Um, speaking of Freemasons and 33 degree Freemasons, and did you know that Disneyland is on the 33rd parallel? Um, Latitude 33. Which I was going to, this was my question was Have you ever mm-hmm. heard? There's a book by Walter mm-hmm. Bosley called Latitude mm-hmm. 33 about Disney and that stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Uh, no, but I, but I do know, I do know you, you're telling me that specifically. Um, I don't know if I remember that. And the reason why I'm saying that is I've had so many conversations in the nineties with, with Jordan, Jordan Maxwell about, Oh yeah, sure. Uh, you know, a whole lot of things and the, you know, the planet itself and where things are and even banking systems and stuff. I mean, every, <laughs> everything is located <laughs> in a space. <laughs> Not randomly. Let's yep. just say that. Yeah, they're what all I, what on I, the grids. What what I find fascinating too is um, when you when you go into Disney, when you go to Disneyland, and I remember when my kids, of course, my you know my children are adults, but their own children, and and when we go, we went there, and I was laughing. I was like, this whole place is just like being on like being on one big uh, mushroom trip or. You know, I mean, what, you know, or whatever it is, when, when you look at all the stuff everywhere, you're like, what is this? And everybody gets so excited to go into this space. It's really fascinating to be to be standing back and, and watching it, um, to be able to talk to Mickey, things that are do not really exist not that anything exists but specifically a world that has been created of this this other level of fantasy Mm -hmm. um for the mind and you go into this this space and 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 you're forcing your kids to go and talk to mickey and minnie and (laughs) and uh snoopy and you know all these characters donald duck um daisy you know all of these characters that have no bearing on anything other than another level of fantasy that's already in the fantasy. You're already in a fantasy, but let's right. let's put two or three more layers. Yes. Fantasy that somehow impacts your mind all the way into your what we call adult life. And and that I find interesting because there are adults that just love Disney. Oh, they can't wait. Remember NFL when they used to go, what, what are you going to do now? And it's like, we're going to Disney. We're going to Disneyland. <laughs> you know? So, <laughs> you know, these, these seven foot tall men 
um <laughs> right you know, right 250 pounds <laughs> yeah we're going to see mickey what is going on <laughs> Th that was paid for though i know it okay, was okay. <laughs> but yeah i i remember it was like the joke it became a meme in and of itself yeah. you know but even though it was paid for it was paid for for a reason it wasn't just basic advertising i mean you it was truly a promotion of the importance of Disney on a person's mind. Um, I, you know, I think is what I'm saying. It, it was the importance of that uh, because Disneyland is it's technically what it's, it's its own country. Technically, it was supposed to be its own, like its own little country. I yes. don't know how it is now, but I know at one point, technically, even law enforcement really weren't at one point allowed to just go there unless they were called in there. It's just like its own reality. So um, I, it's just so much, so much going on here, just layers and layers of stuff. You know, it's just a small world after all. <laughs> you <had to> say <laughs> that. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a really good one. <laughs> Oh my God! It's a it's small, hard small not to world. think of your book, The Holographic Canvas, when we're talking about these these like worlds within worlds, right. in in a way, and and how how actually labyrinth like it all kind of seems when we start moving in that direction of say Disney World, right? I mean, and and it is. I mean, we we live. Um, uh a a system in a system it's it's an endless series of systems and i think you know that's something that some people people have a time wrapping their minds around because i think our minds our brains get sort of locked into um a focus on this third third dimensional reality or or this perceived reality or the reality that we have become accustomed to so there is this this sense of a singular reality. I think most people have the sense of just a singular reality. We're walking around, you know, we live in our houses, we see our cars, you know, our brains are sort of wired to filter out all that is actually going on. There is like <laughs> immeasurable layers of reality of potentials happening in this, this one, in this very space. Um, but I think, you know, all of those things I've, I've found to be, uh, interesting and I find, I find it extremely interesting, the, uh, the technology of these vehicles and the filtering that happens, um, to keep our minds focused on a particular version of reality. I, I know my language is kind of specific cause I'm always making a, a specific point, uh, that we are, we are operating um, and focused on a version of reality. And when I say version, I simply mean that this is not the only game in town, that just because you, th you think that this is what you see and that this is life is what it is, um, that that's, that's a version that your mind is locked into, your brain is focused on. Uh, it's a familiar pattern. It's a familiar concept. It's a familiar idea uh, that gets supported and reinforced by people and conditions and everything around you. Hence, we go back to talking even about the commercial. We go back to even talking about the, the, uh, the ball players and the Disney. That, that's just showing another way of reinforcing a particular idea, a particular concept of reality. 
that has to be sold uh, to the masses so that everybody, for the most part, appear to be um, operating off of a similar version of reality, a similar interpretation of reality. And that has to happen in order to keep um, certain belief or behavior uh, going in order to maintain a particular um, version of the human experience, a particular version of the game. Um, so many things happening, as I said, so that you don't, you know, you don't see the bigger picture. Because if, if you start to see the bigger picture, then you start to be more, there's an independence that starts to take place. And it's like you start to become a bit un, unhooked from um, this network um, that we're all our brains are sort of wired into of what this reality is supposed to be and what it's supposed to look like, this singular uh, interpretation or idea of reality. But yes, there's, there's layers, there's realms, you know, endless realms, um, endless, endless potentialities and, and experiences and things going on all in this now, a different level of this now. What do, you, what do you think that network is that you spoke to, how we're all connected? Oh, well, it's beyond 5G, I tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've just had this idea in my head for a while that it's like, what if, what if the, our subconscious was what was linked and everyone's got their own, you know, so the right brain's connected to everyone, to the cloud, whatever, but your left mm -hmm. brain's your own, you know, and mm -hmm. that's why they're yeah. separate. That might work. Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely um, a some distinctions there. There there has to be what you're talking about. There has to be um, some sort of out with anything. You all human beings have the opportunity to actually discover uh, or penetrate the game to to penetrate reality um, as as it appears to be. Every human being has that uh, potential. So the, the whole construct is designed that way. Um, but because, again, of reinforcement and so many other things, we don't see that. So, yeah, so we are sort of wired into um, this, this particular version of reality. And I do see that there is that part of us that has the opportunity to be authentic and, and independent um, and go rogue you know, and, and, and basically on, on hook, but the system does not encourage or support that. Otherwise the game would collapse. And there's a lot of people, there's a lot of, um, um, the, those who think that they're in control anyway, and I'm just talking on this minuscule level of reality, meaning right down here, I'm not talking outside of the space right now, but I'm, but there, there are those people who say, in upper levels, you know, secret society, or those who consider themselves the elite, or those who um, are sort of overlooking or overseeing this human beings and the laws that will be put in place and how to control human beings and so on, and what we can, who we consider to be the extremely wealthy. In order to make that exist, uh, for, for those people to continue to be what they are, you can't have all these people waking up. Then everybody would basically, it would be a, a, a playing field and, and everything is really fair game. You have to keep it on balance. You have to keep to the best of your ability, 
most people in a dumbed down state and in order for five people to control billions. Where's the tipping point? Where does it switch? Um, you know, that's a question that I think a lot of people ask. I, I, and, and here's why it's a tricky question, I think. Why it's, it's, a a trick, question. it's a trick question to start yeah, with. Yeah, so. it, it is. It's a trick question because human beings appear to not have any control, but that is the illusion that you have no control. So you have the opportunity to, again, go rogue and take off on your own and not be part of the Borg mind. Um, and, and, and so there's that opportunity. But at the same time, we sort of feel like, well, is there a point when, you know, like you said, what was the tipping point when all of this stops? Um, is, is there a tipping point or does it just keep going as a way to push and force human beings to wake up? I mean, there's all kinds of ways that this could be, um, that this could truly be looked at. Is is the truth of the matter, and I and I do see that. I call it a default system. I do see that there is a default system in place. And when I say a default system, I see that um, when you have a, human beings that are so in a state of awareness, uh, uh, or so it appears that they're in a state of being unaware of like much of this conversation or. Um, of what the possibilities are, um, there has, I think there had to be some sort of navigating system in place that creates some sort of default evolution. Like it, it automatically creates uh, uh, levels of growth for human beings. And I, th and I think we're seeing that now. And this is what I think some of the ancients, when, when we look at the ancients and what they were talking about, um, like these different points in time, like everybody was on board for the year 2012, um, this great cycle that was coming of 104,000 years. I think that it operates in cycles. I think this, 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 this default system operates in, in cycles and it's growth spurts. It's, there's this period of growth that sort of happens by default. We're now in age of technology. But what I like to point out is that the people is that from what I see, you don't have to wait for a default evolution. That's the notion that is sold that, uh, which, which is really part of this group mind thinking that you, we, we can only, this, all this, this can only shift if we shift together. I think that's also all part of this illusion. Yet we see in history, even whether it's, you know, whether we believe in them or not, obviously it got thrown in there somewhere to hear about, you know, Yeshua or Buddha or others who did not wait on a group. They somehow individually um, would, you know, went off and, and did their thing. So I think that that is there. But human beings think that they have to go into this group mind sort of thing. And so I think the default system is there to take humans on an, on a, on a growth and an evolution. Um, cause everything must expand. I mean, everything must, um, upgrade. That's the word. Everything must gradually go through some sort of upgrade through the cosmos to whatever, um, become more. And that's kind of 
the only that's the only way that I you know I can really see that and and explain that. But it's not limited to waiting for a tipping point. It's up to the individual. That's a lot of responsibility for many people. So, so you just mentioned too, like key fa- key factors are key, um, at least symbols of people like Christ and Buddha that unlock the code, went rogue, however you want. In that, in that vein, were you brought up religious at all? Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, I was. My parents were. Um, my family was Christians, obviously. Yes, <laughs> it was like a big thing, but. I was always different. I was always different. And I, I mean, I was allowed to be different. Um, I was always questioning all of this. So, um, yeah. So for me, it, it, it eventually, no, it didn't, it didn't really stick. I, I mean, you, you know, you, you're looking at a child questioning death, questioning mm-hmm. the validity mm-hmm. of death from as far back as I can remember. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not part of the Bible. I mean, when I say not part of the Bible, the Bible does mention it, but people turn it into something else. Um, however, yeah, they were embracing that. And I'm sitting there as a small child thinking that the whole thing is just bizarre to me and wondering how come nobody else seemed to realize that this is just weird, that there's something off about all of this. hmm so did you encounter so it's a and still back in your early life um so in this in the stance we have of you um askew or just slant from the i guess the normal christian ways and pondering the deeper layers which death is definitely takes you into that realm did you encounter death early on to give you a different perspective no I so just, this was came, just you were naturally there. I came onto the planet mm-hmm. with that sense of everything that in particular mm-hmm. being just very odd and knowing that that was that had a very optional feeling sense to me. Um that's the only thing where I can put it. There was something about it that just seemed like that and that people were caught up in in some sort of thought process or sleep process and and just weren't seeing it. So now that's as far back as I can remember as a child. Mm-hmm. I mean, that far back. Um, no, I no, there was nothing in particular that I encountered. I, even my sense, my sense of being here, everything was always interesting to me, fascinating. Money, for one, I, I just found it so fascinating in terms of people and their response to money. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, my sense of loving the planet. I, I always liked, I always liked, uh, being here. I was always fascinated by being here. I, I mean, truly, I mean, pretty much almost as if you could say, like you went to another country, you're not from there and you're just fascinated with it. Mm-hmm. I think that's how I, I saw, I could look back and see myself. It was, it was a fascination and a love for being here and 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 having this experience you know through all of the through all of the madness now i mean i just need to throw that in it it was not like it was like oh everything was just wonderful and i was eating ice cream every day (laughs) 
<laughs> and cookies. And it was just great. It was hell at times. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's right. Yeah, it's the game, you know. It's a human. It's a human game in you know many different forms. But 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 that was where I was coming. Did you in okay? So it doesn't. This is we can move past like the early stuff. Um, did you? But just at any time in your life now. So with some of these, did you or do you have you experienced um, dream? uncomfortable dreams so like dream terrors night terrors nightmares those kinds of things and then still with the slant towards the earlier life like um that there might be darker entities or you know the proverbial thing under the bed or in the closet um um mm, uh, let's see um okay what what i can remember is what i can say is okay one of the things I guess for me that probably came close to, to, to just a bizarre feeling, a lot of people have sleep paralysis. And I think that yes. was yeah. um, probably one of the biggest things I think that would happen to me is, is sleep paralysis, um, which as everybody knows who has it, it, it is like the most freakiest thing ever mm -hmm. um, in terms of, um darker forces or anything encountering being encountered throughout the course like that um I, i'm gonna say right off the bat i'm sh i'm probably but nothing that to make an impact per se um like no nothing where i feel like i was you know being taken or anything but certainly i've had interesting dreams and experiences i mean i've had dreams where i've gone to the land of the dead um well, could you give us a little sample of that um i had okay there was one dream here's one dream one dream i had and this was just a few years ago actually where i i ended up in this okay i remember being in this person's room i ended up in this this room, this bedroom, and this lady was talking to me. And, um, and I'm trying to see which came first. Was it when she was talking to me? Did I know at that point? Uh, I, okay, I remember that point. But then I remember walking around and it looked like, you know, our regular life to some degree, but the it was a hazier color the coloring was like more of a dusty tone and i remember this one man who seemed to be up walking with a cane for a minute and then he threw away his cane he let it go he didn't need it anymore um and then i think it's him or somebody else said to me oh you should see the sunsets here um and it was walking around and it was really just different and then at some point it switched back to me in the room and this lady was explaining to me what had happened to me and she told me that i died and i was like what and i said to her i said in that moment i was like oh no 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 <laughs> i need a body back right now and right <laughs> when i said that i realized what i said i said i need my body back right now 
And in that moment, I jumped up out of my sleep. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, another time I was in this place that looked like almost like a train station. And I was walking around and people were just sitting around and I realized what it was. I don't think they could really see me, but people <clears throat> were, were sitting around. Um, I think they were dead and they were, it's like they were waiting. They were all mm -hmm. just kind of waiting for something. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. It could be based on their belief. They were just waiting. And I thought, wow, this is crazy. I was aware in the dream of what was going on, that these people were just sort of zombied out. They were just sitting there waiting. So apparently maybe it was spirits that, um, that, that were just, I don't know, stuck. Mm -hmm. um, and I realized I was zooming through there. Um, I had another dream where I also uh, was walking around and it, was, it wasn't my house, but my family was there and they were, nobody could see me. And I realized, I guess they were like, looked like they were mourning me or something. Mm. Um, so, I mean, I, I've had several interesting dreams um, where I jumped up and yeah, and, and I think one or two of them freaked me out. Um, but I mean, yeah, I, I, I could tell you, I could go on. I, I've had, you know, experienced a shadow, that shadow man that, some people have it dealt yes. with. Yes. Will you tell us about your experience with the shadow men? Um, I was laying in bed and I was, well, I was sleeping. And then suddenly I felt and this shadow and I saw that this, this shadow with a cape coming, like this, like going to go on, lay on top of me. And in that moment, I can't really say on your show, but in that moment, I just yell, get the F off me. And it, it was gone like that quick. You, you can say that on our show. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. You could say right. whatever you want. <laughs> we, we do not restrict free speech here. <laughs> Let it flow, girl. But, so it, ju it jumped on you? What was, it was getting ready to lay on, you know, on top of me. And I was like, I was not having it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so that was, that was, that was that, um, with that situation. I, and, and I'm sure there's like, there are others and there are many others that I just, I guess I've not really thought about because I just kind of, I don't really hold on to some of this stuff and it's kind of move on because I realize that, you know, again, as I said earlier, we are operating in this multi highway of potentials of realms there's so much going on and every now and then the veil somehow veils are removed and we um experience or see and it's it, and it's how we experience it's it's you know it's how we handle ourselves and mm -hmm. and and our own inner strength and what you know what we come to the table with in that sense and that's why it's really important in our lives that we own our power, that we own who we are, that we really do realize that we are the very fabric of creation. We are that which we truly are looking for. And that, that, that which we are, this, this fabric that ha cannot be defined, 
is just it has just narrowed itself or or brought, excuse me brought itself um into this expression this expression that i am it, it, this character of sonia in this body and mm -hmm. you are um but we're still that we mm -hmm. are still this undefinable and i think that's a challenge that people have because we 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 we're so fragmented that we um we separate that we separate ourselves so therefore we're always having to look for something else that is greater than us um and and this is how we become vulnerable and this is how other things and people have access to us you mm -hmm. have to know that you are the very fabric everything really is um but being expressed in this in this moment in this expression that we are calling Sonia Sonia Barrett at this time uh so it, so it's it's that awareness then you stop looking outside for something else greater than you and you stop making you know extraterrestrials and everybody else and ascended <laughs> masters and, and you know and and all your channel stuff you stop making <laughs> all of those things bigger than you yes you, you just stop doing that it's all a game and everything is there. There is not, there is nothing that we can think of that isn't a potential, that isn't a possibility. And I think for me coming from that space of realizing that, you know what, everything is a possibility. Okay, no, so what do you choose to, to work with, Sonia? What do you choose to have a relationship with? What do you choose to engage in? What, what is the game you choose to be part of? What is the story? you wish to um, participate in? Who would you want in your script? And I think we start realizing more from that standpoint, we, we, we begin to be okay with owning who we are. Then we can begin to be more authentic. Then we can begin to penetrate um, this, this veil and this, this illusion of, of dominance and, and control um, that, that seem to be in place. And then we become, we become more of the virus the system yeah. <laughs> uh so anyway so yeah so so that's kind of you know my my thinking and my experiences and that's just some of my experiences i mean we could go on all night oh i had one this is different though but this wasn't this didn't freak me out i've talked about it on other shows um encountering myself um or merging with a with a future self and this was not, a, this was not like a, in a dream. Um, this, this was an experience in a particular state, but it wasn't a dream state. I, I was very aware. I just did not know what that was. I knew it was somebody levitating, like, you know, towards me, just, mm -hmm. just like they're walking, but they're levitating, dressed in a very unique um, outfit and hair, um, very futuristic. And as can you as, describe the outfit in here I, a little bit? I, I can't. I have tried. I I I've been wanting to. There's an artist that I'm going to get together with that I understand is very great at you talking, and they pick up what Intuitive, that is. Yeah. And yeah, and and then when they do, I will know what it is. But it was the. I just remember the dress was kind of long, and um, the hair was in sort of this up. Not the way we really wear our hair per se here but it was just the style of it um almost like ancient but 
not, you know, it was future. And, um, and then as she came levitated towards me, I realized I'm like, Oh my God, that's me. And it was very bizarre. And I was laying down and I remember she said to me, she says, we have to merge. We have to merge now. This was back in the nineties. And, um, and I was very uncertain at first. Um, I thought, uh, I don't know. And then I, then I was, oh, I said, okay, I'm just going to go for it. And then she then levitated over me, like, you know, the same, um, just levitated, you know, head, head, head to head, toe to toe, uh, over me. And I literally felt when we locked, like you locked two puzzles, you locked two things together. And I, my whole body, I jumped. And that was, I think, a defining moment where I did, I did not know then what that was. And as, as the years gone by, I, you know, I realized, um, well, because there's so much that I have been able to, I guess, access. Um, and I think that was all part of, of, of that whole uh, experience. And by the way, yes, I know that everything is made up of information. So I don't, I don't really get into tapping into the Akashic records and all of that. Everything is information based. Everything. It's all just, it's all streams of information. Every bit of it, these bodies, everything is streams of information to, um, to form a pattern. The body itself is a, is, you know, is a, is a, a pattern, but it's streams of information and everything and the air you breathe, um, everything this chair the chair the desk it all has data in it and we have access to to all kinds of of knowledge it's you know nobody's really keeping anything from anybody um i think it's just a matter of one's curiosity and uh one's desire one's commitment and some people are very committed to the game of not knowing and and I get it because there's a responsibility that comes with that and the responsibility is the fact that you are really responsible for yourself so there is mm -hmm. not that same sense of you know God will take care of it I mean you find that you are that <laughs> so uh, you know on a much bigger level though as opposed to just this automated self that um, that we tend to deal with the automated part of us which um, really seems to know only things of the past and survival as opposed to that part of you that supersedes, you know, that, that automated robotic, uh, self. Yes, it is. Um, yeah. All I've got to say is yes to that. I wanted to, I may, I take notes, um, not notes, I scribble for each guest. And one of the things, yours is the only time I ever did a figure. So I'll, I'll send you a picture. She's very futuristic, by the way. Oh, okay. All right. Um, yeah, it's a very, very strange figure. Oh, okay. Uh, um, so in, in the dream architecture, so this can, this can just apply to your whole experience of being Sonia mm -hmm. um, in the day side, in this kind of waking experience we're having right now, if it is that. Um, what does the general experience play? How does it play out for you generally as far as um, 
colors, architecture, which we already touched on earlier, and I want to get further into that. Um, tactile, like do you smell? How real is the dream landscape for you? How lucid do you get within it? Um, uh, I don't know. It's a good question. Um, it's a good question. I, I, you know, I, I have to think about that. I have so, to really think about that. I, I, yeah, because I'm just, I, I am, I am, that's the only way I can put it. I'm, I'm just, I am here and I am experiencing, um, and I can't really put my finger on necessarily. I see, you know, I see different things. Um, sometimes I'll see, um, the, spirals, you know, like the golden mean, the spirals in, in, in the ground, in different things. Um, I see for, for whatever reason, this is very bizarre, but vehicles, as long as it is a vehicle moving, I see the energy field around vehicles for whatever reason, I cannot tell you why specifically. But I see the energy field around vehicles. I thought everybody saw it, but I see energy fields around vehicles. Um, I am, I would say there's a level of sensitivity to, again, here we go, with people going by in cars um, and their energy. Uh, I, yeah, I, I would say from that perspective, I'm sure there's a whole lot of other perspectives I think that are normal to me. That's why I'm having to really think about it, that they're just normal to me. Um, How yeah. in, so within, say within like, um, within normal, I, I hate to use the word normal within your general, my normal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, do you, have you found yourself in an, in an OBE state or where you're, where you clearly know that you're awake and yet also you're out of your Sonia vessel? Oh yeah. I mean, oh yeah, I, I've definitely, oh Lucid. yeah. Yeah. I've definitely had, um, those dreams, those, those, I don't even know if we're going to call them dreams, experiences, but really experiences. Um, yeah, I've, I've totally had those experiences where I am aware that, okay, here, here's one that was one of the most interesting ones. And it, it stuck with me, boy, is I'm going to call it a dream. But anyway, I am out walking around in this field of pop. Um, I'm picking up these little um, poppies, I guess. And I am laughing and I am saying, I cannot believe I'm awake in my dream. That was one of the most profound ones because I am going, oh my God, I am awake in my dream. That was really interesting. That was totally interesting. Um, and then um, others, you know, others, uh, just, just in many different situations. And I, and I think for sure during sleep paralysis, uh, I had one incident in particular uh, there's a lot of them, but this one in particular, because it was like, I think it was more recent. It was last year. And I was on the couch. It was a two seater. And I don't, I'm not one of those people that fall asleep. You know, I don't lay around and fall asleep. But for some reason, I was sitting 
but it was, I was sort of laying on my back a little bit, which is usually when it happens is when I'm laying on my back. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and I sort of dozed off and I, you can feel sleep paralysis coming. And mm-hmm. you, if you, you have to catch it like in time, if you do not catch it and turn in time, forget it. So I felt it and I was like, oh my God, here we go. And I couldn't, I didn't turn in time. And I was there and I could hear my husband going by, you know, and I was like trying to get him to come over there and touch my arm, to come over and touch my arm. And I had my, my hand up, but obviously it was my astral mm-hmm. hand. I, I, I had it up in the air. I mean, I could see that like my hand was up, but obviously it wasn't, my hand wasn't really up. Um, and, and just experiencing that having that out of body experience where I'm hearing him going by and all that's going on and me trying to get his attention to come and touch my arm, which I think eventually somehow he came by and he might've brushed against me. Um, cause sometimes that's all you need. And, um, and I came out of it. I was like, Oh my God. And then I was trying to tell him, did you, did you feel, did you hear me trying to get your attention? <laughs> oh my gosh. Just, so many things that that seem so bizarre to us and yet they are the most normal natural things and it's i think all of these things are just a glimpse um into so much and even um i I was talking to a friend i think earlier today as a matter of fact because she was she had emailed me because she had heard an another interview that i had done and for whatever reason the interview triggered something. I, I think that was when I was on red ice, when red ice was red ice. And so, um, I, this was about her driving and sort of wondering, you know, all of a sudden she realized that where she was looked completely unfamiliar to her. Um, yet she had gone by there so many times. And so she was saying, you know, jumping through time was that she go through some sort of time warp. Oh, I know. I was talking about a story about this, this man, the story I heard from a long time ago about this, this man who walked through some sort of portal, um, a farmer and ended up into some other timeline um, and was very confused. But so I've seen this situation and I think a lot of people have had that where you're driving um, and, and it's happened where suddenly everything looks completely unfamiliar. And it's not that you're losing your mind. I've had it hiking. I hiked this trail a whole lot of times and suddenly it was like I was somewhere completely different. Like I had never gone down that trail um, before. Mm. And I think sometimes we, we do, we, we, you know, we jump around in time period. Mm-hmm. We do. But I think that there are moments where, we uh, are aware where we, we capture that. Um, and I think because our, it's our consciousness that's really traveling around in time, traveling mm-hmm. around in the idea of time anyway, and wherever it seemed to be focused, that makes it seem like the only reality in town. But yet we have moments where we um, get a sense that we were somewhere else two seconds ago. And I think we dismiss those things, you know, um, where you go, I don't feel like maybe I was on the couch like two seconds ago. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever had that, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? Yeah. And, and and then you dismiss it. Um, but, but maybe you were, you know, you, you're jumping around, your consciousness is just moving around and we're just, we're just zoning in on 
um, these certain moments and locking them in as um, a final version of reality in the moment. What do you think is going on when a deja vu happens? Um, when a deja vu happens, what do I think is going on when a deja vu happens? Um, I think, I think it's, it's very related to what I just said. Yeah, that's what, that's what made me think of it. (laughs) I think is, I think is very much related to what I just said. All right. Case, case in point. Um, and some of you have heard me before. I've told this story before, but I had a friend, a very, very, very close friend. And we we go all kinds of places together. And this would happen on several occasions where I would remind her about a place that we had been. I go, remember when we went to such and such and, you know, this happened and remember. And she'd go, I wasn't there. And I get so irritated. I'm like, what's wrong with her memory? And then she would say, I wasn't even in California yet. I didn't even live here yet. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I have memory of hanging out with her wherever. Now, some people may, that may come in and something may be happening. And it's like, oh, deja vu. I feel like I've lived this before. I've mm-hmm. done this before. Um, I also think that we also have to remember that we are always somebody's past. Um, we are, uh, could possibly be the echo to something that already happened. Um, I think there's all of those possibilities that are, um, are going on no different than a psychic. Somebody can pick up or see something that's uh, coming is it because it already happened um and you know and it's it and everything sort of falls through what we call time through the um through the fields of the electromagnetic spectrum into this timeline i mean there there are all these possibilities i'd say that exist all these potentials um that exist um no different than a sound you know we'll say Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll hear a sound, we'll bang a key on the piano and it keeps going on until we don't hear it anymore. But has that sound stopped? You know, are we all just echoes? It is, has life happened and mm-hmm. we are just catching this? And, and let me throw this in too, because they say this about the mirror, you know, that when you look in the mirror, the image that you see in the mirror at that moment is, um, is, is a past image it's it's i forgot how many seconds because it's it's it has to do with the light frequency catching up to uh somehow to reflect in the mirror but, right. but the what, speed of light is an instant there's a delay exactly it's like 0.02 so, milliseconds so so when you when you think about that there's a lot to be considered in a sense of what's really happened you know what i mean and 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 for our mathematics right now in terms of because because we're always behind on the discoveries uh, uh, in terms of scientific discoveries we're always um behind we seem advanced and that's why when we talk about some of these extraterrestrials or um whoever we want to call it whoever from another planet or another time they seem to be more technologically advanced 
And I think that that is what we deal with is our technology here um, is, you know, is, is relevant or relative to, I think, where, where we are. But, but I do think that we, you know, we've already happened. <laughs> you know, you ask somebody a few light years away from, from here and I tell you, you, you already happened. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, and this, this falls seamlessly into where I wanted to go, where we started almost with reoccurrence within the dreamscape. And, and however we want to parse out what the dream state is compared to this. So with you, it was this architecture, which I, I also relate to there. I always have a house that changes, but it's always the same house, the same, there's the same places. So what, what do you think's going on with this kind of architecture within the dream landscape that seems a a bit more solid, you you know, even though it changes for us, you recognize it, it you know, it you return to it, um, that, that something seems very significant to me in that, the stability of that within something that's considered basically not stable, the dream. I, I mean, I, again, I think what you're saying is that uh, even though certain things about it may change, say, for example, a house, but the, but the core essence of that space, that, that um, the core foundation, it is, is you know you're familiar with it's it's yes. that same house but somehow the the architecture changes to some degree, um, and oh there was something I was gonna say about that um, with oh I think one and I'm just throwing this out but I think one of the things that happens is we have to keep in mind is that our brain works off of patterns it looks for patterns and I think there's something to familiar patterns. Um, I really do. Yes. I think even in that state, it's, it's a familiarity. We, we change aspects of that construct, but at the same time, there is a familiarity there and your brain is constantly looking for patterns, whether it be patterns for behavior um, or patterns for uh, a belief system or patterns for, um, you know, third dimension for anything at all. It, it has this pattern that we have um, become accustomed to. Um, somehow it's become, I don't want to say imprint, but it's somehow it's printed there. Um, somehow it's printed and we keep, we keep going back to it. We just keep going back to, to some of these, these, I think, familiarities for what, for whatever reason. I, I don't know. I've never really stopped to look and see is what's going on in my life when I happen to revisit these places, I've mm-hmm. never really stopped to to check it out because maybe there is some some something, some sort of connection there as to why you end up going to these particular places. Even sometimes you haven't gone there in years. You know, um, there is a place that I've gone to, I used to go to more frequently in a dream and it was this store. Um, and, I, and they sold Jamaican, um, you know, patties and certain things that I like in this particular store. And um, I would go there in my dream. And then I remember going there. I don't remember when it was. I think it was maybe a little while I hadn't gone there. And I, and I remember thinking when I was going there, I wonder if they still sell. You, you know, it was that crazy. It's like, I wonder if they still have that. I remember going in and it seemed like it was under new management. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, after all those years, you know. <laughs> it was like, it seemed like it was on a new, it was the same place, but there were some changes made. It seemed like they were selling other things. Mm-hmm. That's wild, huh? So, so I also think we're, you know, we are living, um, I think, multiple lives in this space we call this dream state. I think we go into this state. Um, we're certain our body, bodies are still anchored here. We're still tethered to to our bodies and our brains are um, um, very much here and active. But I think there's a level of filters that come off, which is why you know these certain chemicals, hormones get produced at certain times of the night for dreaming. And mm-hmm. I think that, I think that it's almost like a dreams can act as a portal. Um, so I think we're, I think we're going to many different places. I think there's a lot more going on. And I think we, we capture, I think a very, um, very small portion. We come back remembering a very tiny portion, I think of all the travels that we actually do when we we leave here i think we live you know we go on we live all these many lives associated i'm gonna say because this is what's coming up to me um associated with that simulation that's mm-hmm. the word that just popped up mm-hmm. um for me so i th- i think that there's a whole lot that's that's going on in that space where so in this where is the idea of okay so i'm looking for realness here so where you can be in these other states of consciousness and and this doesn't have to just be in the realm of dreams here we can be in other states of consciousness so meditative states even hallucinogenic states sorry somebody's going by on the bike and um and where so it's a matter of where is our consciousness focus? What makes one thing more real? Why do we insist? Why does the general public insist that this is the real, 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 this state yeah. we're in right now, as yeah, opposed but, to a dream or another state of consciousness? Yeah, but we, we just think that's what we're doing, though. But maybe we're not. Maybe every potential other con- reality that our consciousness is focused on, we do the same thing. Because mm-hmm. then you don't remember the other thing. And then that's right. It. So I think that's all that is going on. I think that's that's really what's going on. And real, when I wrote the holographic canvas, what, what came to me was real, the word real is realm of focus. Um, mm-hmm. That's what I wrote that. <laughs> realm of focus. Real realm and reality are all offshoots of each other. So what's real, the idea of real? is wherever our consciousness seems to be focused, that's what's real to us. And what what is real, what is wherever where consciousness is focused, is then the realm that we're focused on. It is the realm, and realm is, you know, reality. Realm is, is you're dealing with reality then, another angle of reality. Real realm um, and and reality, all offshoots of the same word. What do you think the boundaries of each realm are, um, if, if any? I don't, I don't think there are any boundaries. I mm. think that what happens is I think it's our it's it's our brain fil- filtering system based on our our perception, and I think based on what we can accept as a possibility. And I think the more that we are able to let go of restricting reality because I think that's what seems to get the sense of holding it in place because 
it's it's more comfortable. We we need some things that are certain. We need to know that this is what it is. I think those things are what um, determines what we will remember, what we will see, what what you know what the boundaries are. I think that's what we are doing. I think we're locking it in. But I think that if we were to really understand this, I think we would realize that we are just in this flow. I think we are just moving like this all the time. We just don't know that we're moving like that all the time. I don't think there's a, a, a static moment. We're, we're sitting here and I think it just looks like we've, we, we're, we've this captured moment that looks like an hour and 15 minutes or whatever. Um, that's just what we can relate to in this reality. But I, I, I don't think that. I think, we, I think we're just moving around all the time. I, I, you know, I think we're experiencing a whole lot all the time. And if we just let go, if we can just let go and go, you know what? I am so open to seeing what this is opposed to going, no, it can only be that way. Then that's all you're going to see. And the brain is, is like that. It, the brain has like a 360 degree view of everything. I, I think that it is, it is network it is connected way beyond anything that we can conceive of the idea of time and space i think time and space as we know it to be is just our own construct um but i think that there's no way that we exist here like this we are we are connected to something that we cannot define and i think our brains allow that it's an interface and allows that and it filters according to the version of reality that we are running and you know and i think we just go from and there focused and on you exactly exactly but but in essence we are basically baleen whales <laughs> right <laughs> pulling in all this frequency <laughs> information and filtering it down to what we can possibly <laughs> focus on yep and what we're and this, distracted to focus on too that's also absolutely part oh absolutely because we stay distracted they keep you know, the game itself, it keeps you in survival. Everybody is so in survival mode. You're mm -hmm. so distracted all the time. Um, and, and that's that's the design of it. You, you're just constantly in the next distraction and survival. And so you, most people don't have that kind of time. They feel like they're too tired at night um, to do anything. And that's where religion comes in. Because if you're too tired, guess what? Don't you worry about a thing. We will think for you. We will give you your upload. We will tell you what you need to think and believe. And you come in every Sunday, you get your information, you feel good all week, you feel like you did something. Um, and, uh, and then you come back next Sunday for your next, you know, right. like if, upload again. If you, you don't know? frame your reality, we will do it for you. We will do it for you at no extra cost. Well, maybe 10%. <laughs> People are paying. Right. <laughs> Boy, my dad was a big tither. I just wanted to add in here one of my fa favorite patty restaurants was in Ocho Rios. It's Juicy Patty. Oh, okay. Hey, Love so that place. Wow. Wow. Well, is this in your dream or is this for real? <laughs> for real. I've been there several times. I'm like, define for real. And no. in your dream. Uh, really, give us I, the definition. I there. don't believe I've ever dreamed about it, but who knows? Uh, that sounds good, though. I could go there right now. Maybe I, I will. Maybe I have. Maybe I don't know. Maybe we were there, you know. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of Ocho Rios, so. <laughs> yeah. I, I, well, Negril. I love Negril. Negril's nice. Yeah, Negril's nice. But, um, yeah, gosh, there's, there's just so much, so much. Um, I, I, I love all of this simply because 
you you just get to dive in and you're curious. And this is a very this is really the very reason for doing this, for being here, whether people realize it or not. It's all yes. of this, you know. Yes. It's it's all of it's the thrill of figuring out something you already really do know. <laughs> I agree. I do feel like we do know. The questioning is part of the journey and the questioning is part of accepting that the questioning is part of unlocking the code actually right, saying right. what what is going on here. Absolutely. It, you don't ask the remember in the matrix is the you know it's the questions. But yes. drive you well. You've got to you've got to ask those questions. Those ideal questions um they hack, they, they produce um, passwords, they produce mm -hmm. all kinds of things. And people have to be free of this, of the idea of being, um, you know, victimized or controlled. Not that I'm yes. saying that that's not yes. happening, but it, it, you, there has to be the environment, the ideal environment has to be created for a lot of things um, to happen. And everything is taken, um, it's cues from us and getting permission. And I know that's hard for a lot of people to really, some people to wrap their minds around, but ev everything requires our permission. Um, it's just, that's, that's that science right there of, of, of who we are. Right. And people just don't realize how much tacit consent they give away. Yes. To yes. software license agreements, for instance, or, yes. you know, that thing you signed when you signed up for cable. Oh my God! Yeah. Yes, it, you, it, it given, all ties in. Everything that's happening to you, you've probably given consent to. Absolutely, and and everything that's happening right here is a duplication. Everything just um, is a is a is a what should I say is a is a um, copy of you know the same formula, same formula used in in different ways. Right, domination yeah. and control. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just different, different, different ways. We we we're forming our reality based on uh, a, a bigger picture, something else that uh, operates that way as well. Right, and on, on another another aspect of that is that a large portion of the population is being programmed to generate that reality. Absolutely, in the way that whomever, whatever, is desires the agenda, oh, yeah, according to absolutely. their agenda is what I mean. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's true. And it's, uh, it's happening. What, Sonia, what is your concept of the soul and spirit, it, it, if they're separated or if they're the same? But what, what are they when, when, I, when you hear those words, what do you think? Yeah, you like to ask easy questions. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I can't tell you how many people stumble over the her questions though too. So oh like, yeah, okay. Uh yeah. Well, you know, I, I described the soul in in the holographic canvas at the time, you know, for me when I when I saw this, um, and I like to take everything out of that space where everybody puts it into this um I don't know, this out there space and like, ooh, you can't touch us. Oh my God, you know, you have to have a soul. And, and I was like, well, the soul is just a holographic record keeper. Um, and ultimately, that's what everybody else is saying. They just don't know that's what they're saying. They say, well, it keeps track of every, it's a holographic record keeper. Um, and and, and it's, it's keeping, I just think, information on that particular um, expression. Um, that embodies this form and when it's not embodying this form i think there there is a unique uniqueness to um to that expression to you to me um and and i think the soul is just a holographic record keeper 
keeps information records uh, of of many different times and possibilities and so on. And then I don't know, we could take that into an even bigger space of of what you know what what does that look like? Is that based on a particular construct of reality? Is that only based on um, you know our our idea of reality from a, a through a, a human being's perspective there's all kinds of ways in which we can come at this um and of course you know i think as far as the spirit yes i see it as an as an aspect um of us out you know outside of this form that which is in this form but i think we exist in layers i think there's a layering you know like maybe three parts to us that actually um is inside that takes on this this uh vehicle uh, I think we just we animate this body I don't think you know pe- people think that they're in they're this body and they're, like they're totally in it I think we just I think we're animating it and um what is being experienced is being experienced through um the sensory system of this technology that's how we feel and have all this stuff going on so I think that there's there's a layering that of us like i don't know like three parts to us before we we hit inside of this this thing we call a body that we identify as ourselves so and with this i um when i get into the idea of birth which also will take us into death um so before before we I I've always viewed it as we do animate these shells. These this to me is just a husk, and we are animating it. And you see people who are not actually. Um, but so before we come into, and part of the nowness is this persona of self, right? Sonia, mm-hmm. Nish, Jerry. Um, so before we come into this in the nothingness, I guess, on the tree of life, the Keter, wherever we are, wherever you are with that, mm-hmm. what is the process of, of coming into, into the flesh, into, into matter? It, it, do we come in with a plan? Is there, is it like a school system where we set up our, our, our lessons for the semester? Um, how do we find ourselves in matter like this? Is it a trap? You know, just all these kinds of things swim around my head. Yeah, I think that, I think we we come in, I think there is to some degree some sort of plan. When I say plan, um, I think that there is a, a, um, a, a core um, thing to, the, to coming here in the first place. I think there's a core journey, and I, I think we see that. There are people that come in for a short time, um, whatever the experience is, and they, they leave. Um, some people are here for a much longer haul. I, I think that there is a core journey. Do I think anything is set in stone? I don't think anything is set in stone, but at the same time, um, you know, if somebody comes in with some sort of base, base, um, our core journey, uh, you know, how do we know whether they deviated from that or whether they changed or whether that really is their journey? I mean, it's just, it's this mishmash um, of questions. Uh, but I do, I do think so. I do think that people come here with some sort of core, um, core plan. And that's why you see there are people that you, you could, you could try to share some things with them and they are not hearing you. They don't understand. They're not trying to wake up. That is not their path in this life. That is just not for them. 
um, they're not going to hear you. They, um, you know, they're bent on their belief system, their religious belief system, and so on. And then I think you have people that are beings that come here with the intention of hacking the game, hacking the experience. Um, so I, I, I think there's lots of reasons to why people or a being might end up coming onto the planet. Um, you know, could, I don't know, could, could it be a person that is repeating coming, you know, coming back? Did they come here before they come here a couple of times? I, you know, did they decide after a couple of times that they got to figure it out to some degree and they're coming back and then they're doing it differently? All kinds of scenarios. Is there any, maybe one scenario? Probably not. Cause then we lock in ourselves in again. So I, I don't know necessarily that there's any one way other than the fact that I do feel that there are some core um, conditions that I think uh, human beings come onto the planet with. For myself, I definitely sense that just because from just remembering my first realization of myself as a little human being, I knew there was something different about me and my thinking and through my eyes, how I viewed the world and how unique it was to me as if I landed on, um, on another planet or something like that. Uh, I, I do sense that I do, I do see that. Um, and I think that people come in to families, um, for various reasons. I think we come in for sometimes for the genetics, um, of that family. If you are going to, for example, be here for a while, you may come in to a to genetics that are strong and solid um, and will last a while, very durable. You can drink, smoke, do drugs, and your body will still be good. Some people are like that. Hey. <laughs> you know, some people do. You know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like my grandfather smoked and had like 18 heart attacks and died right. at 18 Lived or like something. 100. 85. You know, exactly, you know. So so yeah, my my father-in-law, he he smoked from he was 9 and uh from 9 years old he'd been smoking cigarettes and he passed away like the year before last year. He was like 87. Yeah, that's amazing, right? I mean, it's like you know, that is some genetics. No, so I mean, so there's all of these conditions. Now, th here's the thing: but maybe his journey did not involve, um, you know, maybe in the very beginning, getting sick, getting a disease. His journey didn't involve any of those things. So then, is it that the people who end up with certain things, what did their journey involve? They come into a family um, where the conditions are ripe for the journey. I, for myself, I can see why I came into my family. Um, I, I can totally see. And I came into a, I was born to a mother and father who um, that, that's all they would do was would, would bring me here. And more so, I think I have my father's genetics. My mother died when I was 13 months old and my, and, and my, uh, her family, um, her cousin, they're very, very close. Oh, yeah, and her husband, they adopted me. Um, my father didn't want to give me up, but he was struggling with my mother's death and long story. Anyway, he allowed me, allowed them to take care of me for a, a short while, but then they, you know, fell in love with me and he, he knew it was best 
for me. So he allowed that. Now, I am so grateful that he did that because that the family that raised me was the family that would provide the foundation that I was going to need for who I was going to be. And he was not going to be able to do that. I saw, you know, he remarried and eventually I met his wife and those conditions were not going to be comparable to the journey that I was going to need to go on. And Mm -hmm. so for the individual, we can stop and we can look at our journey and we can see the environment. Some conditions are tough where, you know, um, where, you know, people complain about how hard it was in their life. If you're taking this journey in the way that I'm talking about, where you're digging through to understand and to see, it requires tough skin. It Mm -hmm. really requires persistence. Um, You have to be durable, uh, determined. It it requires a lot of that. And sometimes those conditions shape you. So it's, you know, are are you going to be hooked on your story your whole life? If you're here only to be hooked on your story of being a victim, then that's, that's okay too, because that's, that's your journey. That is what you have decided to do, to spend your whole time being hooked on that, your story of being a victim, you know, one situation after the other, and then people get caught in loop because the brain looks for patterns once again. And now you keep drawing that to you because you're, the pattern of reality that you have is reflective of that experience. So how can you draw anything other than the pattern that has been formed for your reality um, in, your, in your mind and in your brain. And, and that's something that we, you know, people need to stop and need to look at, need to understand how we keep shaping the life and having the same life over and over. Nobody's doing that to you. Um, we just keep running the same story. So, you know, there's, there's all kinds of ways to explore this in terms of who you are, but I don't think anybody should get hooked on um, astrology either. And I've talked about that. I think that astrology is wonderful in the sense that um, I think it's very much true um, because it's tied to the default program. Remember I talked about the default system mm-hmm. that's there. When you are an, a human being that's, that's not moving into a deep level of awareness and awakening, you need a navigation system. You need something to navigate you. And, and, and astrology does that. It tells you, you know, sure, you're born at a particular time and particular conditions that were ripe for your journey, no doubt. Um, and then, then where you keep going is, okay, well, I, I can only do this at this particular time. And it says that this is who I am. Okay, then that's who you are. But when you realize and you go, oh, okay, I get it. All right, I'm ready to be back in the driver's seat. I'm ready to be back in the driver's seat. All of that goes out the door. Now you're in charge. Now you don't need the default navigation system to, you know, to, to take you around. You're putting that, that more expansive part of yourself in the driver's seat and, and be, to be authentic and to trust and to know that that part of you, that more expansive part of you knows exactly what to do next. And you don't need the safety of um, this comfortable, um, you know, realization, the things that you need to uh, hold on to because they're the known, because you're afraid of the unknown. It's uncomfortable. The unknown is uncomfortable. So you hang on to the comfort of the known, which is what a lot of people do. And, and yes, astrology 
a lot of times it gives people that sense of comfort um, because it's a sense of knowing. I, I, I know. So those are things, too, that we have to stop and we have to examine. But we have way more power um, than we realize. We just have to stop being afraid of ourselves and afraid of um, who we are. I think that's very important. And this is why, um, for me, when it comes to anything that may co-opt my own sense of driving driving this experience that I'm having. I, I enjoy astrology. I've always enjoyed it. I enjoy other oracles, throwing bones and cards and cloud busting and all that stuff, but I do not give myself over to it. And this is why I enjoy, uh, how Jerry says drinking the Gatorade with the whole mercury retrograde thing. Yeah. Uh, um, it, it these are I I feel like these are tools we have in our box that we can we can absolutely use. absolutely. But there is this idea, and you do see it everywhere, and, it, and it's not just these things; it's lots of things. Mm-hmm. It's even our daily cycle of going to work becomes a tool, a crutch, mm-hmm. something you can't mm-hmm. live without. So look at the rate of people who retire and then die. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's that's it's, the program though it's absolutely the program so we we there's always this um struggle to stay in in seated exalted right. within yourself and um I, I think that's one of the lessons for me i wanted to get your take on the idea of karma oh here she goes again hello you know i talked to, i used to talk about the idea of karma i think you know what i i haven't heard the word in such a long time that that ought to tell you where i'm at it just don't even register on my on the richter scale for me i think is what it is that I, when you ask me i have to it's like in a way prehistoric in my mind because now i have to think about it uh, no that's good though because maybe yeah. that'll come to someone that's, you know, give them something to ponder also. Um, you know, I, okay, so so people are caught up on the idea of karma. Um, coming, things, what is it? Whatever you do, you know, coming back around and people were it's canceling patterns, out. Right, it's patterns, right, Sonia? Karma. It's patterns. Yeah, <laughs> you can't canceling out karma, karma and paying all this debt and oh my God, it's just, it, you know, it just kind of wears me. But I think that I think that all of that was relevant to a time when that was part of our growth in understanding. And um, and I think that, you know, people can begin to move beyond that and to realize, you know, every moment of your life, um, you should you can pay attention to it and see where you are um, in your thinking and in your belief system. And it's not about sitting around, you know, oh, you know, looking at whether you're building, building up karma or not, but it's just a know thyself. You know, I think just toss that out, just toss out all those labels, just know thyself. When we know ourselves and we, um, we become, uh, what's the word? We move into, into a space where we are okay with owning who we are. You don't have to worry about being a good person or any of that because I kind of throw all that out. I think you just don't have to worry about. It. I think that's just all part of the program. I think when we know who we are and we can own who we are, your actions and behavior become completely different, and 
the, the, the survival program doesn't take over so much. Survival, the survival program is what causes people to apply certain actions and behavior. It's the only reason why you have to worry about if you're being a good person. If you have to worry about being a good person, then that's because you're, you know, you're worried that you are the opposite of whatever you think being a good person is. If we. You, <laughs> <laughs> you <didn't> ask me. <laughs> Whenever people say, you know, but I'm a good person, I'm always suspicious. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Why do you have to qualify that? <laughs> you, have to qualify that? <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, okay. I almost spit up my tea there. I, yeah, really, like, it's okay. always been my, you know, <laughs> my opinion that I'm defining what a good person is. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. I look at it backwards. That's just me. No, but I hear you. And I, and I think that, that all of that, but I think people are operating that way because of the prerequisites here um, and, and the, the rules, these certain rules that people want to follow. Um, the, barometer, the barometer that we have of measuring ourselves and who we are, and you want to be on the side of good person. But, but, but who set the rules for what a good person is? So it's all of those conditions. But if you just be and just tune into who you are and just be honest with who you are and just be okay with it, you don't have to worry about doing anything to anybody or whether anybody likes you or not. You know, it's, it's all of that. People want to be like, they don't want to be, feel like they're X'd out. They don't want to stand out alone. It's all of those things that we have um, been told to apply to our identity to who we are and so everybody's trying to um to hold up to this identity um you know the the, this character shaping our character you toss out all of that it just it doesn't even matter it it just doesn't even that's how i feel i mean you know i I, i'm glad when i eventually got to that place because i used to care (laughs) (laughs) i did i used to care (laughs) Now I don't. It's so freeing. Because it's just people. That's what I'm always saying. I'm like, who cares? It's just people. Mm -hmm. It's just people. It doesn't matter. They're so busy dealing with themselves um, that even even if they they didn't like you, what would it matter? What does it take from you? It takes nothing. That's what people have to understand. What does it take from you if somebody says they don't like? They don't even know. We just get caught up in the energy of that idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really doesn't, it takes nothing from me. I'm, I'm breathe. I'm going to breathe. I'm going to be breathing. It's going to be okay. <laughs> right. Absolutely. So, okay. So, so through this, um, kind of getting back to the birth thing. So the death thing, the other end kind of, I suppose, if we're looking and it's, I just throw it out there as an idea because uh-huh. I don't, I don't really look at life in a, a linear way. Although I see that we have, I see that the collective um, is, is looking at it birth to death. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's a linear thing. Although I think it's rounded and I think birth and death are pretty much, they're very similar, if not the same thing. And um, circling that what, so with the idea of moving into into matter into these vehicles that were in these vessels into this construct what what 
what is it to move out of it into the what we consider here just collectively the state of death? How do you see that? What is all that? That's the uh, <laughs> because that well you know because that is such the, it's such a core of what I talk about that I so I so don't like to throw that one out. I just so don't like to try to cram that one because there's so much more to that idea. Um, uh, I, again, I, I can say this, that the idea of, of, of death as we see death mm-hmm. is a program. And, I, and I'm not talking about just going, oh, yes, well, you know, well, there's really no death, you know, then pe- you know but people leave their bodies and, and then we say, well, there really is no death. Well, yes, in one way, there isn't. Nothing dies, right? Right. Uh, energy can neither be created nor destroyed, right? But it can right from the energetics from, from from one form to the other, um, and and that's just it. But what did what did we just say? Energy can neither be created nor destroyed, but can be what transformed from one form into the other. Okay. Well, that somehow we do not apply that to the science of the body and the fact that the body can actually be transformed from one form to the other without the shutoff. That's the space that I come from with um, a lot of what I talk about because I've seen something else. And, um, and I think that there's going to be a day, I'm going to get back to more of that, but there's going to be a day when the idea of death as we know death to be is going to be a primitive concept. Um, so you're not talking transhumanism. No, no, I'm not talking transhumanism. This is this is technology. People need to get mm-hmm. that. This right. is a highly advanced technology. This body and it can do yep. a great many things, but we don't know how to turn people. We lost the user's on. guide. Yeah, exactly. It's not activated, mm-hmm. and and our world, um, our world keeps us out there away from actually hacking ourselves or or, mm-hmm. or unlocking ourselves, but it's not turned on. And uh, it can take any form. It's it's energy. It's pure energy. So the, I think the idea of 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 death as we know it to be, which is you know people end up going through this process and then they go to the light. And I always say that light just wipes your memory and you know. But but people have this programming um, again, which is where religion comes in. And even if it's not religion, I think we are so exposed to um, an environment where it's confirmed everywhere that this is going to happen. This is, this is, the, this is the challenge why it's hard for people to picture um, a, a, a transformation, a life where you're actually just expanding into yourself, into a level of awareness that, that, that changes the vibration, very vibration of your being, of the molecules that make up this form. Um, the, the world around you, what we're exposed to, reflects the impossibility of anything other than um, that particular death concept. And I think what I like to throw out to people is this. How do you know that there aren't people who exist right here that live, that have broken that um, program? How How do you know that? This is how we're programmed. We're programmed to believe that we know the whole world and everybody. This is the idea. You, we, we have no idea. All we have are what? Once again, pictures, images, videos, stuff we get told, the sensory report. We have no idea. The fact is how many people are here? 
if anybody's even here. <laughs> I was just going to say that. <laughs> we have no idea other than other than what we're told, and it's reinforced every day. That's why the news has to be there. They got to keep reminding you of all the people that are dead and all the tragedies, so that the model of reality. You, you continue to hold a particular model of reality in place. And it's just reinforced, reinforced, reinforced. It's like um, going to church every Sunday, same thing. Yeah, it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, but how, how, how do you know that there aren't people that are living outside of this spectrum of, of reality, this birth to death program? If we start realizing that everything that you think you've been, you know, and who you think you are is nothing but a series of programs that's been handed down from generation to generation to the point where it becomes part of our, um, our, our gene pool, the memory of that information, that history. Um, so, and if that is the case, the history of that which is possible is also there. And that's, that's, and we can go into that idea of junk DNA and what they call junk DNA. I think a lot of that information is there. And they didn't know what it was and it's just waiting to be unlocked by you, the person who, the only being who really truly has access to an aspect of you. We think that we don't, but, but this, this whole thing is set up that there is a part of you that nobody can get to but you. I really see that, um, that you, no matter how it looks that there, people are hacking in and doing, there's a certain level there that when you are now coming to an awareness, nobody can get past there but you. Um, so I do see that. I see that the idea of the world and reality uh, is not what we think. I think we're just hooked on a perception that continues to be sold to us. But there are people, there are beings who have crossed that program. I rest my case. So um, with that in mind, what do you think of all the space propaganda that's happening and, and space in itself? Is that just another program? Yeah. yeah, I think <laughs> I think that I think that the universe, I think all the universes, the systems, I think they're just that they're systems. They're they are um, they other are, realms, perhaps. Yes, I think. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think there, there's there's multiple systems there. It's not a good or bad. It's yeah, just no, no. another. Yeah, it's just another aspect of experiencing. And I think the idea um, or even in our scientific discoveries, I think those scientific discoveries are I think limited to the um, the, um, the 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 simulation itself. This this universe is simu simulation, and it it's it's designed to accommodate uh, a particular kind of life and life in a certain way, and all of what we think is within that life, and even extraterrestrials. I think they're, they're within the con the, the context of our uh, simulation. I think. All a lot of this is happening within the framework of a particular simulation that human beings are tied to. It is not the ultimate. The and I when I remember when I realized that I was like, oh my god, I was like, boy, this is so not what we think it is. The moon, the stars, the the, the sun, all of it. We're we're in, we're in this gigantic um, simulation. Simulation. <laughs> yeah. 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 Cool. So, so can I, so, I, like, I, so that's that. <laughs> I, have, I have crazy woo questions now, and this is just more conversational. 
uh, as far as reality, our realm, as it is being malleable through, say, ritual magic, for instance, or law of attraction or whatever, mm -hmm. um, do you think it's programmable that we can expand the inner space within here? Like, you know, did the moon landing, quote-unquote, ritual mm -hmm. create space in the minds of humans, which then we generate? Yeah, I think I think that's the thing with all of this. It's so viable. Everything is like mm. so bendable. And um, I think so. I think everything is bendable. And because because everything is truly possible. Um, yeah, it all can be done. I, and I think that's what's happening. I think we we create our own unique matrix within the matrix within the matrix simulations and experiences within what we're but but yet you're still confined to a particular simulation it's all happening within it it's like realms within the within sure. that particular uh construct some might even call them timelines or yeah, dimensions right. or parallel dimensions yeah, yeah. absolutely absolutely mm -hmm. um just so many things going on in in so many different layers of possibilities uh yeah yes, and the, it's a freedom no, to see that nothing is static that's just nothing is static. Right. Not, there's nothing static. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think to me that that was one of the things too is realizing there is nothing static. And I think it is so freeing. Once again, I say that to people. It is so freeing when you can be okay with stepping back and seeing like everything we've talked about and just freeing yourself to be okay with the fact that things are not so finite like you think. Like we don't have to fight over whether the earth is flat, round or square. <laughs> we, don't, we, we, don't, we don't have to do any of that. I personally don't care. I don't care if it's a triangle. Um, yeah, I think it doesn't matter what, it doesn't, what shape it is. It, 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 it doesn't matter. Um, again, we live in an ocean of, of potentials. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and, and in one expression and experience, if we all decide it's flat, that's hey, we'll find a way to validate that. If we if it's round, we'll find a way to validate it. Yeah, yeah and you never know if <laughs> if a majority of people decide that it is flat, it may conform to it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah that that's exactly what exactly. I'm saying. If we, if we agree, whatever we agree to, then we will we will find a way. To, we'll validate it by um, what you just said by right doing and that. This ties into the idea of the placebo effect, where you've got scientists doing experiments, getting the results they expect. But no yeah. one else can reproduce it because it's not sound. It's just that their consciousness made it happen. Absolutely. And the magician. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you've got all these people out there trying to validate, say, Flat Earth, for instance. We're getting yeah. the results they expect. However, it may not be reality to the collective. Just it's, his personal reality bubble shows right. that because that's all that's malleable to him alone. That, that's, that's right. Mm. And, um, yeah, and you get enough people. Or she, to come in to agree to that, to go, you know what? That sounds, that makes sense. Okay, so now you get enough people and they're, and they're on board with it. Um, and, and again, you know, life is about a series of stories. And in those stories, we have the journey and we experience and we enjoy the stories. And I, I think, well, I'm, not, I'm not knocking the flat, flat earth people, but I'm saying, that in itself, a person can see how it becomes a distraction and one can get caught up in any kind of story whatsoever. Um, 
And then you, you don't, you can't see anything else because you've got peripheral vision. Now this is all you can see and you've got to keep going with that. Uh, it's the payoff. All stories have a payoff. And I always say to people, look at the stories in your own personal life and then look at the payoff. What is the payoff for your misery right now? Where you think you're miserable, you think you're in lack, your finances, your love life. Look at it carefully and look at it truthfully. Own, without blame, just own where you are with it um, and see that. And you can see what the payoff has been. Sometimes the payoff is being able to complain to other people and the response that you get. Um, it could be people, you know, being sick could be the sympathy you get from other people. Could it be what in your childhood, a time in your life where uh, the only time that you got attention was when you weren't well? Um, th this is how we're wired. We're wired. It, th this is a crazy game of imprints and how we're wired and the things that we, we draw to ourselves um, because of, of the payoff that we get from it. Uh, to be without money, you want to start a business, can't, can never seem to get that. Uh, but at the same time, deep down, you have a fear of starting the business because you're afraid that you may fail or because somebody told you from your childhood that, you know, you, you, who do you think you are? So then you, you can't have money to do it because then, then that may happen. So you have to stay in the safe zone of never having enough money to make that business begin. It, it is just the wildest thing to look at <laughs> all of this. All right, but if, if that is the the frequency you're broadcasting and your aura, that's what you're going to attract. Yes. So having that mental, uh, not mental clarity, but the having that, that background program running all the time, oh, I'm not worthy of having a business or this money or a loan or whatever, you know, you're sending that, that even when you go to apply for a loan, you're sending that message to the people. Absolutely. You're not attracting it. You're actually creating it. Right. Yeah. But I think to, to look at why you're creating it, um, yeah, is, is a good part. Because a lot of people don't know that they're afraid that they will succeed. That is the shadow work that everyone has to do and refuses <laughs> to, you know. <laughs> well, Sonia, where do you, um, what are your ideas on non-human entities? So... There's, that's a wide, wide open. That can be, you know. I'm sorry, you, I missed that part. I heard human entities. I didn't hear the first part. The non-human entities. Oh, what about them? What, I just wondering what, it's woo. It's woo talk. And of oh. course, there's, you know, there's no real officials I, the, here. So. The question is, I, I, I know where she's going with this. It's like, what, what's your opinion of them as far as okay look at it this way ufos mm -hmm. uh non-military or non-military industrial ufo sightings and experiences mm -hmm. what is that what do you think that is is that an internal thing external i think it's a, i think it's combination mm -hmm. i think it's combination um i think it's internal um also and i and i think um it's when i say external yeah there's spaces there where um critters live yeah they're yeah <laughs> critters live other other folks live that you know look different um i i think it's all going on and i think that our government obviously um does their very best to 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 curtail it, to put yeah to to make it not um known and i think for lots of reasons obviously for reasons that is self-serving 
um, mm -hmm. for one. And uh, also because they always feel that they need to be the one managing people, managing reality and what what we are supposed to perceive. And then we they break it off in pieces, which is why we see right. movies go on. They break it. They start breaking you in. Um, and they, you know, of course, this breaking process started a long time out, a long time ago. Nineteen forty-seven, actually. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, nineteen forty-seven. Up, up through now, and so we're we're ready for certain things now. We're ready for certain for for certain experiences, um, and it's called gradualism. And we gradually accept certain things, and and mm -hmm. when these moments come, we'll gradually accept it too because we've been exposed to it. Robots, AI um ufos yeah. those yeah. possibilities uh it's it's all there now we are in that space of those things uh beginning to normalize themselves in our reality cool mm. okay all right all right so i'm like i'm like am i dismissed now <laughs> no 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 we ask questions of the chat too i, I, already, I was I, I only have one question from okay, the chat cool. so and then we can be done because it's mm -hmm. almost two hours, and we know you have to go. So, um, Oswald Spengler, he asked, "Are you related to Aston Barrett, the bass player?" Oh no, but uh, any musician, I yeah, I'd sure be happy to be related to them. I love music. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. No, uh, no, I'm not actually. Okay. Nope. Yeah, you were so awesome that no one had any questions. <laughs> I'm gonna run with that. <laughs> you you got him silent. <laughs> I'm gonna run with that. This was great, Sonia. Thank you so much. Yeah, There's, thank you. Um, thank you. Yeah, thank I just I love listening to you. It's thank you. It was a great interview. I I love it when I have an interview where the the host can really have a conversation and ask questions that aren't generic. I so appreciate it which is one reason i love um emily and randy i love those so thank you so much for being mm -hmm. great host and for for asking these wonderful and stimulating uh questions so we can really you know express some some substance out there so thank you so much great. well thank you and you're welcome and um i've got your links to your um youtube channel and your website in the show description do you have any other places oh. where you'd like people to go to or anything new you've got um, going on actually or? i am doing a a four-part webinar it's for 30 days it's called the reprogramming experiment um and uh people can go to the real and click on events uh, under events workshops uh and go see what that's all about but it's uh, it's really kind of like what we talked about we've talked about so many things today but um it's people being able to move into a space of um changing certain programs in their reality but being able to first identify whether it be one thing in 30 days that you start to understand how you actually continue to shape that and how you unshape that how you re uh program uh this and this and this is work involved this is not <laughs> woo woo work <laughs> This is, you're doing this yourself. I'm yep. a strong believer in that. Nobody can do any of this for you. Um, so anyways, do check it out. It's, uh, it's quite interesting. Great. That's great. Well, I'd like to thank everyone who listened and, and, and was in the live chat tonight. And be sure to tune in next week when we have Niles Heckman, filmmaker Niles Heckman. 
he's going to be an interesting dude. And what else do I have? I think that's it. Nish, anything? No, uh, again, I'm just so grateful you came on, Sonia. Thank you to the chat. Everyone, I, I'm not in there, but my love goes out and, uh, and sweet it's dreams. Strong. Yes. <laughs> yes. Be sure, to give us a, be sure to give us a like if you like this show. And remember that thumbs down are negative karma. Good night. Oh. <laughs>